Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. In the squadron, they called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, this clears everything up. Joe Biden uh, had no knowledge whatsoever of Hunter Biden's business dealings internationally or domestic. Just heard that. Just said no. Do you know anything about his business dealings? No. No. However, he's not as angry about it. He used to say, no, focus on that man. Trump, not me. No. Now he's just saying, nope, and walks away. Mm, Nope. (laughs) Uh, He's in trouble. However, he's protected for the time being. When will he outlive his usefulness for the Democrats? Uh, uh, Look, that, that, that ship sailed a long time ago. I mean, he's a dead man walking. They don't know what they're going to do because... How do you get rid of Joe and then deal with Kamala, all right? Kamala, they can't take it from her. They can't take it away from her. If Joe were to step aside, that means Kamala's the president. Everybody would freak out. Nobody would have any respect for the Democrat Party, even Democrats, but they can't take it from her. They'd have to give her the nomination because black woman, period, period, end of story. That's it. You know, with all that virtue signaling, all that woke stuff at the moment of truth, they're going to take it from her and give it to some white person named Gavin Newsom. It's not ever going to happen. By the way, Gavin Newsom, if you really believed in America, if you had some guts, you would put your you would step forward and say, you know what? I'm running against Joe Biden. I, I believe in this country more than I believe in the Democrat Party. I would love it if some Democrat opposed Joe Biden. And in, in addition to Robert F. Kennedy. He is great. And by the way, he's in great shape. Did you see that? He's 69 years old. Did you know you could be that buff when you're 69 years old? Um, the guy is, I mean, it's, it's, it's no joke. The guy is totally, I met him a couple of weeks ago and I was like, whoa, this guy is, he's tall and he's, you could tell he's solidly built, but he was doing push-ups with Frank Stallone's, uh, Frank Stallone, Sly Stallone's brother in California for some reason. He's hanging around with, uh, with Frank Stallone, who's a great guy. Oh, by the way. Um, so let's see here now that, uh, okay, there's no, no wrongdoing there whatsoever, but Trump in his restaurant or in his club at Bedminster, New Jersey alluded to what, what, this is the thing that they think does him in. It doesn't, it's totally fine what you're about to hear, but this is the leaked audio. This is, um, some author shows up and is asking questions about Mark Meadows and some other stuff and. And Trump, to his credit, I mean, he, he'll talk to anybody. He opens up, he gives you, you know, and then he goes off the record, but he doesn't mind if you record him. And uh, the, the the recorder is running. So this is the leaked audio. We think it came from Jack Smith, that crazy prosecutor with the cape, with the purple thing, who seems to um, hate everybody. And uh, let's go. All right. Is this, this is the, this is the ultimate and incriminating information. And it doesn't. It doesn't lay a glove on them, all right? This is totally fine, what you're about to hear. Cut 20, please. These are bad, sick people. That, but, was, that was your coup, you know. 
but against you. That's well, it started right at the like beginning. Like when Millie's talking about, oh, you were going to try to do a kick. No, they, they were trying right. to do that before you even were sworn in. That's right. Trying right. to overthrow yeah. your election. Well, with Millie, uh, let me see that. I'll, I'll show you an example. He said that I wanted to attack Iran. Isn't it amazing? I have a big pile of papers. This thing just came up. Look. This was him. They presented me this. This is off the record, but they presented me this. This was him. This was the Defense Department and him. Wow. We looked at some. This was him. This wasn't done by me. This was him. All sorts of stuff. It's pages long. Look. Wait a minute. Let's see here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I just found, isn't that amazing? This totally wins my case, you know. Mm -hmm. Except it is like highly confidential, yeah. <laughs> secret. This is secret information. <laughs> look, look at this. You attack and... Hillary would print that out all the time, you know. <laughs> send it, no, she'd send it to yeah. Anthony Weiner. Yeah, yeah. The pervert. Um, <laughs> by the way, isn't that incredible? Though? Yeah. I was just saying, because we were talking about it. <laughs> And you know, he said he wanted to attack Iran and what? He said it wow. This was done by the military, given to me. Uh, I think we can probably. Yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. Yeah, we'll have to try to figure out a. a yeah. See, as president, I could have declassified. Yeah. Uh, now I can't. You know, but this is. Yeah, classy. now we have a problem. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. It's so cool. I mean, it's so. I'm look. We here and I have. And you probably almost didn't believe me, but now you believe me. No, I believe It's you. incredible, right? No, they, hey, bring they some, uh, bring some Cokes in, please. I could go for a Coke right now myself. Diet Coke, please. <laughs> There's nothing wrong here, folks. There's absolutely nothing wrong here. He's allowed. He's allowed to talk about stuff. He's a president. He dealt with classified stuff all the time. It was presented to him. And, yeah, Mark Milley went around telling everybody Trump wants to invade Iran. Trump wanted to invade Iran. You can go back. It was, I guess it was uh, the summer of uh, 2021. That book comes out. That's the big news peg. And it's all based on what Mark Milley told these silly reporters for The Washington Post. Hey, by the way. Even if Donald Trump was contemplating a strike on Iran, that would have been totally fine. You know, the Israelis took out the nuclear, didn't the, the Israelis, a strike, a surgical strike on a nuclear uh, facility on the eve of the Biden administration coming in and walking out of the Iran nuclear deal. Uh, that's actually okay, potentially. Um, I'm trying to find out a little bit more if that was actually on the table. But the Pentagon, they have war plans for this kind of stuff. They have this kind of stuff. That, that's what you have a Pentagon for. So what did you hear there? What did we actually hear? He's talking about information. Now, is it classified? We hear him say it's classified. We don't know. We don't know what he's referring to. We can't say. Let's pretend it was top secret, a top secret document that he's waving around showing people, okay, from a distance, from a couple of feet away. Let's pretend it's top secret. I don't know it, but let's pretend it is. Listen to this. New York Times, April 7th, 2006. The leaking of secrets has long been a favored tool of policy debate, political combat, and diplomatic one-upsmanship. 
We've had this kind of leaking since the administration of George Washington, said Rick Shankman, a presidential historian at George Mason University. We need this kind of information in a democracy. People leak all the time. Now, the problem would have been if you uh, if you actually gave it to somebody and said, show it to the Chinese, show it to the Iranians, show it to the Russians, go put it online, give me money. Because I'm showing you this. That's espionage. And no one's talking. That's not what happened here, even though the espionage. Let's see here. Also, from that same article, April 7, 2006, that President Bush authorized an aid to disclose classified intelligence on Iraqi weapons comes as no shock to official Washington. Because it's done all the time. So we have this thing out there. They're pushing this uh, this narrative that Trump wanted to invade Iran, and he has apparently information that suggests the Pentagon had their own plan to invade Iran. <sighs> Milley is the big problem here. Milley being used by the swamp. He's a very unsophisticated guy. He thinks he's sophisticated, but more, I just, I think he's, he's going to survive this thing. And actually, I'm looking at all the, everything out there. It's already kind of blown over. This was a big deal. On MSNBC and CNBC last night, and then that's it. And then that's it. It's over. It evaporates like everybody, like everything else. Well, don't worry about that. The, uh, the situation in Georgia where Trump told them to find those votes. Looks like that Jack Smith prosecutor guy is about to, um, he's going to sit down with Raffensberger, the Secretary of State of Georgia. Um, meanwhile, all the Biden Corruption, I mean, genuine corruption, I mean, cold bribery is getting, what, overlooked. Never happened, right? No, it's just not a problem. Hunter is going to get a sweetheart deal. Um, I pointed this out last night. Wesley Snipes, Pete Rose, um, let's see here, Leona Helmsley. Celebrity after celebrity after celebrity went down, went to federal prison over what, Hunter is getting a misdemeanor charge for misdemeanor and probation, misdemeanor and probation. That's it. Hunter. Wow. That's kind of amazing. Don't you think? Isn't that really something? Hunter, can't we at least get him on drugs? I mean, well, he didn't deal. I know he didn't deal, but still, still, uh, let's see here. Mm, How about we get him on the uh, classified documents and maybe even giving them to our uh, friends and allies, you know, if you give friends and allies classified documents, it's still a problem. Cut 37, please. Cut 37. This is a Joe Biden sitting next to Prime Minister Modi of India. I was just thinking. Uh, uh, anyway, I started off without you. And I sold a lot of state secrets and a lot of very important things that we shared. I sold a lot of say the first part is actually he doesn't know who he's talking to. He doesn't know. He forgets his name and he trails off. And then but to make light of it, he said, I sold this guy state secrets. Listen again. One more time, please. I was just thinking. Uh, uh, anyway, I started off without you. And I sold a lot of state secrets and a lot of very important things that we shared. <laughs> I, what's going on there? I mean, he's too old to put out. I mean, not old. You can be a hundred years old and be quicker and sharper than, than Joe Biden. It's not his age. It's his, uh, it's a situation with his brain. And he keeps on saying things that really 
should, in a healthy society, in a functioning democracy, well, he's implicating himself. Cut 36. I made voluntarily, no one's had to threaten to do anything. Voluntarily open every single aperture I have with the house, officers, everything, for them to come and look and spend hours searching my home, invited them. Nobody, and so, and the best of my knowledge, the kinds of things they picked up are things that are from 1974, and stray papers. There may be something else I don't know. How about that, huh? It's, um... That's the way it works. That's no problem. Have you heard about the special prosecutor looking into Joe Biden? Of course you haven't. No. Um, this can't last. This can't last. Something is going to happen. It's going to bust wide open. Just like I think we're going to get more information in the um, in the Jeffrey Epstein situation. You know, they're still blaming it, blaming it on those two low-level prison guards. I firmly believe two things, that uh, Well, Jeffrey Epstein did not kill himself, and I also believe that Jeffrey Epstein is alive. Yeah, I do. I believe he's alive. I just, uh, um, he's walking around somewhere. I actually heard this from somebody who's not, not, um, in the government, but extremely well placed. One of these guys who, well, makes the world go round, and he has no direct information, but he thinks that, uh, Jeffrey Epstein is alive, and here's this wild coincidence. When he has that moment, we don't know the details yet. We really don't know what happened. We have the official version that he's in a suicide watch on suicide watch. They give him extra blankets and sheets on suicide watch so he can hang himself, huh? Uh, and the guards are not paying any attention to this high-value prisoner who's on suicide watch. Pay no attention. The guy who's in charge of the Bureau of Prisons, I don't know his name, but he works for the Department of Justice. And who was in charge of the Department of Justice back then? Bill Barr, the Attorney General. Bill Barr, the Attorney General. And um, Bill Barr grew up in Manhattan. Bill Barr's father, Fred, I think his name was, um, was the headmaster of a place called the Dalton School. Still there. It's an Upper East Side uh, prep school. Very, very fancy. On East 89th Street. Uh, Dalton School. Rich kids. And his father, the headmaster, hires a college dropout named Jeffrey Epstein to be a math instructor. No no college degree. You basically need one of those to teach, especially at a place like Dalton. Is that the most wild coincidence in the world? So some guy actually sees Bill Barr on the street and takes out his camera. All right, it's uh, it goes on for a little bit. We'll have it right after the break. Thank you. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. So this is breaking news. This is breaking news. All the cable networks, New York Times even, reporting that um, Ryan Seacrest will be the new host of Wheel of Fortune, uh, replacing the retiring Pat Sajak. Well, congratulations, I guess. Does anybody really watch that show? Um, At one point, I'm reading here, 40 million people watch that show at night. Now it's down to about eight million. Solve the puzzle, buy a vowel, spin the wheel. I haven't watched the show since um I don't know. Well, every time there's a major blooper, that's always fun. But uh let's see here. I don't know. Who cares? But it's a big deal. Sony Entertainment. I am quite frankly surprised that uh well, let's look at Ryan Seacrest here. He happens to have a couple of big things going against him. Uh, he's uh, a man, and he happens to be white. 
Well, that's not cool anymore. Wow. Where's the diversity? One white man replacing another white man, huh? Ryan Seacrest, very good guy, very talented. Um, talented in his own way, in like an MC kind of way, which there are little things you do that actually he's a genius at. So, I mean, he knows that he's got the skills, and it does require a certain amount of skill. I mean, just look at that crazy person they hired to uh, to replace Alec Trebek. Not Ken Jennings, but the other one, the woman from uh, TV. What was she on, Third Rock or 30 Rock or one of those silly shows, and she's crazy, and she's bad as, at being a host. So you got to have somebody who can do this kind of thing. Look, it's America. People watch. 8.6 million people watch a night. So what do you do? You can sell ads that way. More power to you, I guess. But I think I've, uh, I think we all have more important things to do than watch that show. I'll tell you right now, more people are watching that show than <laughs> are, um, well, reading books, reading the Bible, going to church on a daily basis. I wonder, I wonder what the numbers are. We are becoming the uh, most irreligious society on earth. We're losing it. You know, people, Say, well, you know what? A lot of phonies show up at church. Yeah, they're all phonies. I know, I know about that guy. He, he did this, and there he is going old church. Can you imagine these people if they didn't go to church? What they'd be like if, the, if they, those people that you don't like? Well, what if they did? I, I, I hope it's doing some good, a little bit. Hey, do we have Trump speaking in New Hampshire right now at a lunch? You don't see this very often during the day. Let's pump up the volume. I will work to ban federal employees from taking job at companies that they regulate. These guys, they regulate companies. And all of a sudden, you see they're not regulated. They're giving the companies everything. And then they retire. Congratulations. They give them a little watch. They send them on away. And two days later, they announce, I happen to be working for, I won't mention names, like Raytheon or this one. But I happen to be working for Big Pharma. I was given a great job. Oh, how much are you getting? Well, they pay me approximately a million and a half a year. Oh, that sounds good. Great job. No, it's very sad what's going on, but we're not going to let that happen. We're not going to let that happen. You can't go. You regulate companies. You're not going to work for them because uh, even honest ones are influenced, and they're influenced too much. That means no more revolving door between Big Pharma and the FDA. The FDA guys, they go into... What he's talking about right here, telling people they can't leave Congress and go work for these companies right away, they can't become lobbyists, that's one of the many reasons why the swamp is so committed to stopping him. He interferes with the entire money-making scam they've got going. Good for you, President Trump. Traffic jams, tailgating, pile-ups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Это чьи-то отцы и чьи-то сыновья и тем, которые не дают нам боеприпасы, будут в аду жрать их потроха. I don't know what the hell he's saying, but he's mad as hell. This is Prigozhin. Why do we bleep out the Russian curse words? Who knows? Who knows Russian? Who knows Russian? Yikes. 
All right, that's going to give you bad dreams. That's Prigozhin, the head of that crazy Wagner brigade. Looks like uh, Putin wants to put a bullet in his head or cyanide on his sushi, something like that. Uh, what's happening over there? I don't know, but I do know this. <clears throat> Prigozhin, that guy you just heard from, after he finishes high school, he starts a life of petty crime. Um, couldn't have been that petty. I mean, uh, he went to jail for um, basically nine years from 21 to 30. He's in a Russian prison, gets out, starts a hot dog stand, and then gets enough money for a restaurant. And then uh, Vladimir Putin starts coming to that restaurant. He says, I like the food here. You're a good man. Uh, let's uh, let's uh, bring you to the Kremlin. Anyway, he starts catering the Kremlin and all these other Russian services. And uh, all of a sudden, Prigozhin is like a big, 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 big deal. And uh, in his you know, spare time as a hobby, he starts he starts a militia force. He starts a mercenary brigade. And they dabble in um, combat and warfare. And they went to Ukraine and Crimea in uh, 2014, just fighting stuff. And, uh, and, and now he's he's still in Ukraine. He's back in Ukraine, and he's really, really mad that they don't have enough bullets, that this thing has been so screwed up by the Russian military. He thinks he's better than the re- regular Russian military. And he's um, when he talks, my understanding is he's not angry at Putin. He's angry at the, uh, the military's... Uh, Who's the head of the military over there? Some guy named Shoigu, who used to be a truck driver and a contractor, spent his 30s as a contractor and a truck driver doing stuff. He didn't even become a, he didn't enter the military until he was like 48 years old. And now he's in charge of everything. Um, Putin is running out of patience with him. There's a pretty funny moment. Um, Shoigu is at some um, ceremony and Putin comes walking. And in the first thing he does is, oh, you. And he turns his back on him. And everybody could feel it. Everybody could feel the chill. And uh, so who knows what's going on over there. Um, I, I'll tell you this, that Progosian guy, he sounded a lot tougher than General Mark Mutiny Milley. I'll, I'll give him that. Let's hear from General Mark Mutiny Milley. Cut 39. As many of you saw the result of the photograph of me at Lafayette Square last week. That sparked a national debate about the role of the military in civil society. I should not have been there. My presence in that moment and in that environment created a perception of the military involved in domestic politics. Wow. As a commissioned uniformed officer, it was a mistake that I have learned from. And I sincerely hope we all can learn from it. We all can learn from it. We who wear the cloth of our nation come from the people of our nation. And we must hold dear the principle of an apolitical military. He was the most political guy in the universe. He's still very political, leaking like crazy to the Washington Post, talking to everybody about Trump and fighting Trump, fighting Trump while he was the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. He actually says it out loud. You know, for all that talk about democracy and the Constitution, he was undermining the Constitution. I believe that Mark Mutiny Milley was waging a coup uh, from the inside with the deep state. And um, it's funny, nobody actually sits down and reads these books. These books get churned out, you know, these, you know, We Hate Trump books by the fake news and by, um, uh, let's see, uh, people like Mark Esper and folks like that, people who hate Trump for a living. Well, nobody actually reads them. They make a little bit of news and people will buy them, but nobody sits down and reads them, um, except me. <laughs> I, I sat down and I, I'm reading this book and it's incredible the stuff that Mark Milley says out loud. 
It is, um, he seems to know ahead of time that Joe Biden's going to win, that Joe Biden's going to be the president. In June, he's talking about this, and all we have to do is make it to Election Day. As long as we can make it to Election Day, the country will be safe. The country will be safe. We must protect this country from from Donald Trump. And he goes around apologizing, not just uh, in that speech. He apologizes to uh, Nancy Pelosi. So Nancy Pelosi, remember when she got all hysterical at the White House and started wagging or waving her finger and throwing papers around and yelling at Trump? Remember that? There's a famous picture of it. And Millie is in the room keeping his head down. Uh, I don't really fault him for that. You know, you got a hysterical woman on your hands. What are you supposed to do? Um, but he went and apologized to her for not sticking up for her. It's all in the book. And uh, he says, I won't let you down next time. Wow, what does that actually mean? <laughs> and then he sends out these crazy letters to all the troops, reminding them, you support the Constitution of the United States. Now, that sounds righteous. That sounds beautiful. Um, but it's actually, in its own way, a little bit dangerous. All right? That's code for blow off Trump and follow the swamp. Blow off the president and follow me. And they use the Constitution as a, as a, almost as a, I believe in the Constitution. You, you take an oath to support and uphold the, the Constitution, right? All that stuff, and it's great. Um, but it also means uh, supporting the officers above you, not being insubordinate. And Millie, definitely, and I'll prove it, was completely and totally insubordinate, plotting and scheming behind the uh, president's back, reaching out to the uh, the swamp. I hate this guy, too. we got to stop him. And we're living with the results. We're living with the consequences. Huh? Now we have uh, Joe Biden. Who do we have? <laughs> have you seen Admiral Rachel Levine, formerly Richard? Oh, by the way, this uh, Admiral Levine went to high school with Millie. You know who Rachel Levine is, right? Used to be uh, Richard Levine, got a sex change operation. And because of that, um, because Joe is a perverse guy in a perverse administration, they made this individual, gave him a high-ranking job at the Department of Health and Human Services, and now our federal government is paying, we are paying for these kinds of crazy messages. Cut 29, please. Hello, my name is Admiral Rachel Levine, and I have the honor of being the Assistant Secretary for Health at the United States Department of Health and Human Services. Happy Pride. Happy Pride Month, and actually, let's declare it a summer of pride. Happy summer of pride. Go to hell, all right? In June. June. One month. Not three. You're not declaring national holidays and national festivals for us. <laughs> Happy Pride Month. And this is the individual who uh, likes to talk about sex and gender with children and doesn't want parents to find out about it. Thank you. I wonder what that was like. You know, Richard and Mark, they played on the same football team for a while. Did you know that, Terry? Hello, Terry. Welcome back. Uh, I did know that. That was a fantastic little triab you had there, uh, Greg. Very good. Carry on, sir. How do you do? Anything else going on? Well, yeah, I got ten things, and uh, I was most impressed with the uh, Biden state. Did he say they sold state secrets or stole? Sold. S O L D. Why don't sold. we? Why you don't know, we? You want? Let's uh, let's listen to that again. We got that one more time here. Cut uh, thirty-seven. I was just thinking, uh, uh, anyway, I started off without you. 
and I sold a lot of state secrets and a lot of very important things that we shared. Sold, not stole, sold, sold a lot of state secrets. Now, he puts himself in this fix because he can't figure out the guy's name in any way. And later, of course, he says, I'm being facetious. I'm being, I'm just kidding. I'm being facetious. Well, what? that's not a joke. That's not even funny. I think that was a uh, a slip of the tongue, a gaffe. That's when you inadvertently say the truth, Terry. The voice and 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 Keith Emerson, he didn't ever write a song with uh, "I'm a Man" by Chicago, did he? Uh, like me. Wait, no. Keith Emerson is the guy who did the cover. He did a cover of "I'm a Man." Uh, yeah, yeah. Look you it up. Said that? I said that, and I'll say it again. Uh, yeah, he did. Not that it's a big deal, but yeah, look it up. It's in the movie called Nighthawks. Great movie with uh, Sylvester Stallone and Billy D. Williams. Thanks, Terry. Ooh, and I'll just check in with Sandra before we go. Hi, Sandra. Hi, Greg. Um, I wanted to correct something from yesterday. 65% of teens targeting sex sextortion. It was globally, not just the United States. No, no, no. It's that. still wrong. It's still wrong. I'm sorry, Sandra. That's not, that is, that is wrong. It, 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 it is a smaller subset of teens. All right. I think maybe it meant cyberbullied or something like that. I could buy 65% of teens have been cyberbullied. But sextortion, sextortion, that's a totally different, that's a totally different league. And, uh, I, that, that's not true. I'm sorry, Sandra. That is not true. That's factually incorrect. And I don't care where you got it from. They were factually incorrect. Okay. But anyway, I wanted to talk about Robert F. Kennedy. Um, you know, I like him, you like him, Donald Trump likes him. I wanted to say that I was very impressed with his physique last night, very much so. He's very strong. And um, I wanted to comment on uh, his uh, disability that he has. I, I read that he had an interview way back with Oprah Winfrey, and he said that this disease that he got happened when he was 43 years old. Before that, he had a very, very strong voice. And this disability is called plasmodic dysphonia, and it, it affects like one in 100,000 people. The disorder affects the larynx. Yeah, I know. We talked about this when he first got in the race. I mean, what are you going to do? I'm over it already. I don't even notice it anymore. He sounds fine. I mean, I really don't notice it anymore. I think people, uh, you know, it was a thing for a little while, like, what's up with his voice? Yeah. And that dysphonia thing, spasmatic dysphonia. Uh, he's got it, whatever, and uh, it's not a factor. I thought it would be a factor, but it's not. He can talk, and he's, uh, it's what he says, not, not the sound of his voice that is truly moving people. Sandra, thank you. And let's do one more. Andrew, hi. Hey, you're right. I don't pay attention to his voice anymore, and you get used to it. I want to say the, punk, the Trump audio, it's like he's punking them. Or culture jamming, he's kind of exonerating himself and using humor, and um, so there's nothing there at all. And I want to know what white rage is, <laughs> and I'm white. But there was a better general, like uh, he's more uh, of our hero. He got Trump got elected, and I think it was Mad Dog Mattis. The smug reporter said, "Ah, oh, who do you worry about at night? Who keeps you up, North Korea?" And he said, "No one keeps me up. The enemies." of America, they stay up at night worrying about me. That's what the kind of general we need. You know, uh, Prince Philip once asked my dad that question. Prince Philip, you know, when the police commissioner, you get to meet people. Prince Philip says, what keeps you up at night, commissioner? 
And uh, my father told him nuclear proliferation. And my dad tells me this story. I'm like, that keeps you up at night? He said, eh, what am I going to say? The dog next door? Huh? What is he going to say? Uh, so uh, what keeps, that's a, that's a great uh, media question. What keeps you up at night? Uh, your prostate keeps you up at night, not uh, current events for the most part. Andrew, thank you. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Do you guys follow NASCAR? I'm not a NASCAR uh, person, but uh, the name Jimmy Johnson rings a bell. NASCAR star Jimmy Johnson. I'm looking at his picture right here with his uh, beautiful wife. Listen to this. And the NASCAR world, and now the, the world in general is kind of blowing up here. NASCAR star Jimmy Johnson's mother-in-law shoots her husband and grandson dead before turning gun on herself and murder-suicide at Oklahoma home. Damn. Yeah, I've seen this guy, Jimmy Johnson, standing there in the winner's circle, one of the top NASCAR drivers of all time. And nobody knows what happened here. Well, they do know what happened, but why? Why on earth? I'm looking at him and his wife. They just seem like uh, very nice, happy people. And this poor kid, their child... Is it their child? I can't. Could be another child. Eleven years old. Anyway, the mother-in-law opened fire. Uh, Dalton Janway, just eleven years old, dead. All three suffering gunshot wounds at their home in Oklahoma. Cops say a woman called nine one one to say there was a woman with a gun before hanging up. It's unclear who made the call. Uh, treating Terry sixty-eight. That's the woman, the grandmother. As the suspect in the shooting, cops have not yet disclosed a possible motive. I'm looking at this little kid here, little tight, 11 years old, great guy, great little kid with his grandfather, Jack, and happier times, big smiles in front of a Christmas tree. And then there's this woman, Terry, the alleged shooter. Yikes. And again, Jack and Terry, uh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have brought this up. It's a terrible story. You don't see that that all that often, you know? It's um, stars like that. Yikes. Yikes. Well, everybody's got issues, but man, that's bad. All right, enough of that. Hey, uh, what's up with DeSantis? People are saying he's going to have to drop out of the race. He is not performing well at all. Now, they are playing, what do they say, the long game, right? Here's DeSantis saying this is... Uh, no, we're we're here to stay. Cut twenty eight, please. Cut twenty eight. The question is, so, Ron, uh, what's pro- what's wrong with your campaign? So, um, two things. One, I think if you look the swing states, Biden beats Trump in the swing states, and I beat Biden handily in the swing states. That's ultimately the election right there. Who's going to win Georgia, Arizona? Uh, obviously, I'll win Florida if I'm the candidate in Texas, uh, Wisconsin, those states. You've got to be able to do that. If you don't have a path to do that, then nominating doesn't doesn't make sense. There's other polls in the primary I've grown. I think at the end of the day, um, you know, this is a marathon, not a sprint. We're doing everything we need to do in these early states. I don't know, man. It sounds a little bit me, 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 right? Doesn't like doesn't uh, I don't know. Like I'm I'm. It sounds like a spoiled kid with his with the you know. It's my baseball, and I'm doing well, and everybody sucks, and I'm the best. I don't like it. I know that's pretty superficial stuff, but uh, uh, come on already. All right, twenty one points. The donors are freaking out about this guy. They thought he'd be magnificent. He's not. Fox News is freaking out about this guy. Actually, Trump uh, called them out on that uh, yesterday. Cut 27. I think that's been really proven. But, no, they're pushing him. But they're stopping now because he's just not 
a good candidate. When he came to me, he was losing very badly. When I endorsed him, it was like a like a bomb went off. It was like a rocket ship after I endorsed him. But he was a bad candidate. I call it artificial. When uh, when he when those numbers went up, that was artificial. He's a bad candidate. He's not good. Uh, people don't like him, and that's uh, been proven to be the case. But Fox is pushing him, and they're not getting anywhere. They were pushing Jeb Bush with me. They were pushing Jeb. You remember Jeb? Whatever happened to Jeb? But he had a lot of money. Not, not he had only. a lot of everything. He had foxes. Uh, they were pushing him like you can't even believe. As much as they push the sanctimonious right now, and uh, I would say Jeb didn't do too well. And Jeb and, and Ron are very much like each other. You know, in fact, Jeb sat right next to Ron during his uh, inauguration. Is that right? Jeb? I remember meeting Jeb Bush. They told me, this is the man. I met him in, uh, when was that, 2014. And I'm like, I don't think he even wants to be here. <laughs> he just did not seem to like anybody. Uh just wanted to leave. He was so uncomfortable and so small. I know he's a tall guy, but he seems so small. Uh Here's Trump uh, going off on, uh yeah, they're just kind of, uh, the Brett Baer interview that happened last week. Cut 17. When I did the, uh, Brett, the, uh, the uh, interview with Brett, I thought it was fine. I thought it was okay, but there was nothing friendly about it. You know, it was nasty. And I thought I did a good job. I've been given credit for doing a good job. But I've also people said, why would you do it? Because it was really, you know, everything was like an unfriendly. It was always everything was unfriendly. No smiling. No, uh, let's have fun. Let's make America great again. Everything was like a hit. So, you know, you have a hostile network and you have people that are obviously their candidates are against you. And uh, they, therefore, are being hostile. If you're leading by 30, 40 or 50 points, what's the purpose of really doing it? Oh, debating. Right. Why get in there with the debate? I mean, it is kind of a political rule of thumb. If you are beating the competition so bad uh, by uh, 30 points, why would you run the risk? Number one, he'd be the the number one target. They'd all come after him. That's what it would all be about. They'd take turns going after Trump. So for him, it's very little gain uh, and, and and a fair amount of risk. I mean, I think he would do great. I would love to see it. Why did he do it last time? Well, because the polls were a lot closer. Yeah, he's and remember, the, the debates helped him get to the top. The debates could help him get to the bottom if he's not careful. So I, I totally support that. That makes sense. Happens all the time. If you are that far in the lead, you really shouldn't debate. That would be... Malpractice. That would be uh, not something to do. Hey, are we really going to do this now? Manhattan is going to have congestion uh, pricing. Conge- what do they call that again? Congestion pricing. Yeah. Uh, a first in the nation congestion charge for New York City was given its final federal approval uh, yesterday. And next year uh, to drive in lower Manhattan, it could cost 23 bucks. It was up to the Federal Highway Administration. Now, Bloomberg was even talking about this. I've always hated the idea, $23 to go south of 60th Street. It's insane. This this city is already dying. It's already, you know, really, it, it's in a coma. And this is going to drive it off. This is really bad. It's going to raise a billion dollars to fix what? To fix what? All right, what do we get for our money? You know? Florida isn't looking that bad after all. South Carolina, too. 
Kelly. Entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The number one story in the world right now is not Russia. It's not uh, Joe Biden's corruption. <laughs> it's the Wheel of Fortune and uh, Pat Sajak calling it a career. We knew that, and now we know the new host. It's not like it's anybody new and different. It's uh, Ryan Seacrest. Okay. <laughs> People are going nuts. Uh, what am I missing here? What's this show like anyway? From Sony Picture Studio, it's America's Game. It's Wheels 40th season, and we're going XL. What does that mean, XL? Extra large? You have the chance to win a fabulous vacation. Double the chance to win a million dollars. What's XL? XL deal. Oh, X, XL is 40 in Roman numerals. Is that it? Cute. Uh, remember when Vanna White was like the biggest deal in the world, too? Vanna White, that was 1987, 1988, it was a real novelty, and that's all she does is walk across that damn stage and turn those, uh, those boxes. I just, uh, at one point in America, 30% of the population was watching that show. What happens when you win? It's not like the showcase showdown where they show you a bunch of prizes, or is it? I don't know. It doesn't really matter. Every now and then there's something. So Ryan Seacrest gets the show. That guy is worth something like $500 million. He's good at what he does. He's a very good DJ. He's been DJing since he was like 14 years old, Kennesaw, Georgia, and uh, was really into it. And he, what else did he do? Well, American Idol. And American Idol, when it first started, it wasn't really much of a show. Uh, they didn't give it much of a chance. It was uh, really kind of bargain basement television. And uh, he had a co-host. He had, There was a co-MC, a guy named Dunkelman, who I believe kind of left the entertainment business, and I think he's a full-time lifeguard in in Florida. No kidding, Dunkelman was his name. So, all right, and they'll give him, what, $40 million a year to do these things? I mean, how how is that? That does get people annoyed. And, you know, you see it on Instagram. You see these people with uh, everything they have. It's one of the reasons why everybody's on edge these days. It's Instagram, it's social media. You know, the rich at one point, they were rich off doing rich people stuff, and we didn't see it. Now you see it. Now you see it all the time, and you see people who are not even rich posing as rich, and that can even inspire envy. You know, getting on private jets, uh, hanging around the pool, uh, vacations, all that stuff, parties you didn't go to. Uh, it's all an illusion. You know, every now and then, and one of those Instagram uh, influencers will come clean and let her, everybody know that, yeah, my life stinks and it's all an illusion, but people are, people are really hooked for the, in the time being, people are hooked. Um, except me. I've made a big step away from all that stuff. It does get under my skin every now and then. Hey, can I ask you about Aaron Rodgers? He's the quarterback, right? Is he coming to the Jets? He is coming to the Jets. So I, I was hoping that he would not come to the Jets because this message is very harmful and he's, sh- he's pushing it down everybody's throats. I guess he dropped acid once and had an experience. And now he's telling everybody in the world, you should drop acid as well. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, very flaky guy. Cut 22, please. When you find that edge and surpass it and create a new edge, you're creating in the in-between a beautiful new piece of life and energy and love and, and divine guidance that comes in. It really changes your life. What a bunch of hocus-pocus crap. 
You know, I mean, there's something called, if he came out and said, hey, how about the Bible? Give the Bible a chance. Now he's telling everybody to try mescaline. Seriously, he's one of these dudes who uh, took the, I don't even know, what what is it? Was it acid? Was it a mushroom? Something. And he went on a trip. And now he's one of these guys who goes around hugging everybody, right? I love you, man. I love you. Okay, stop touching me. Um, Is he coming to, uh, is he going to be here in New York? I think that's the deal. And um, I'm not hearing enough of a protest, but uh, I guess that's just me. Um, hey, do you guys know who Scott Labato is? He's a very talented artist. I think he's based on Staten Island. Uh, good guy, interesting guy, conservative. And <laughs> yesterday he was throwing pizza at City Hall because of this ludicrous proposal to uh, screw with the pizza ovens that's coming out of the City Council and the Department of Environmental protection. Cut 24, please. Cut 24. The woke-ass idiots who run this city are doing everything in their power to destroy it. We have naked men with their titties bouncing around all over the city yesterday, in public, in front of children. We have the most violent, raging crime rate ever. We are being invaded by illegal immigrants who are being treated way better than our homeless veterans, our teachers... And first responder heroes who were fired, still not compensated, because they didn't take the Fauci injection. Our city schools produce the dumbest kids. And the woke-ass punks who run New York City are afraid of pizza? The world used to respect New Yorkers as tough, thick-skinned, and gritty. Now we have become pussified. It's a damn shame. You heard of the Boston Tea Party? Well, this is the Boston, New York, this is the New York pizza party. Give us pizza or give us death. Give us pizza or give us death. And he's throwing the slices at City Hall. Did you guys bleep out all the dirty words? I hope you didn't. Anyway. I didn't. I, I I just saw that on the sheet here. Scott Lebedo, he's a uh, he's a very bright guy. Has a lot of passion. Very talented too with the painting. So uh, I agree with every word he said. I wouldn't say the dumbest kids. All right. I just thought that's kind of uh, that's not fair to the kids, uh, to some kids. But uh, everything else, he's uh, he's right on. And yeah, the city schools. Gosh, that's one thing that Bloomberg did not do. To be honest. All right. Bloomberg did a lot of great things. But um, he certainly did not turn around city public schools. And uh, they are still failing. Now, part of that is, uh, well, a lot of that is parents, okay? It is. Or lack thereof, okay? Yeah, lack thereof. Hey, do you know who Jordan Peterson is? Jordan Peterson is the greatest guy. He's really, really smart, ultra articulate, and uh, he's a very bright psychologist from Canada. And they're on his case again. They're threatening to arrest him. If he doesn't use the preferred pronouns up there, you know, people have these preferred pronouns, right? My my pronouns are uh, they, them, these, zit, that kind of stuff. Well, um, he says, I will call you that if I feel like it. As a courtesy, maybe. That's up to me. It's not up to the state. And Canada is trying to mandate it, trying to say, if you don't say this, you're breaking the law. And you face what? Incarceration? Something even scarier. Re-education? Re-education. Hey, do we have that Bill Barr clip? This is good stuff. Bill Barr, once again, crazy ex-attorney general. Um, you know, one point seemed to be like a guy, a stand-up guy, and then he realized the swamp, 
the deep state. It's too much for me. So I'm just going to go along to get along. And two crazy things about this. Well, many crazy things. But one of them is this. He was in charge of the Department of Justice, which is in charge of the Bureau of Prisons. And on his watch, Jeffrey Epstein. Something happened to Jeffrey Epstein, okay? I think, personally, he was smuggled out of the jail, and he's alive on some private island right now. Or maybe he's living in Brooklyn, but I do think he's alive. I know that he did not commit suicide, all right? I have a theory that he's alive. I have a strong hunch that he's alive. But I know he did not commit suicide, and you do, too. But Bill Barr was in charge of all that. Happened on his watch. And something else really goofy and weird happened back in the 1970s when Bill Barr's father, Bill Barr is a native New Yorker, grew up on the Upper West Side. His dad was an educator, the headmaster of the Dalton School. Harry, I think his name was, Harry Barr. And he hired a guy named Jeffrey Epstein to be a math teacher. Jeffrey Epstein was good in math, but there was a big problem. He didn't graduate from college. <laughs> you gotta, especially at a fancy school like the Dalton School, even in the 1970s, you have a, you had to have a certificate, you had to have a degree. But he just hired this guy for some reason. What could that reason be? Anyway, somebody goes up to Bill Barr and starts asking him about this on the street. Now, Bill Barr is no longer the Attorney General. So he's just a man in the street. And you're allowed to go up to a man in the street and ask him questions and take his picture. Because when you're in a public place, like a sidewalk, there is no reasonable expectation of privacy. You can't touch anybody. You can't threaten anybody, uh, obviously, and I wouldn't, and you shouldn't either. That's against the law. But it's within our constitutional rights to ask questions and to say stuff, and that's what this guy did. Go ahead. Hey, uh, you're the Attorney General. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Does he start asking the questions? I'm a I'm a Hey, I appreciate all the work you've done. <laughs> Easy. But whatever happened with Jeffrey Epstein, and uh, how come he hung himself in your in his cell when you were the uh, director of prisons, Mr. Barr? Why did Jeffrey Epstein hang himself while you were in charge of the Bureau of Prisons? And why did your dad hire him to teach at the Dalton School? <laughs> Mr. Barr, why did uh, Jeffrey Epstein hang himself um, in maximum security yeah. prison when you were in charge of the Bureau of Prisons? Yeah. Yeah. I'm asking, uh, Mr. Barr, why did that happen? Your dad hired um, Jeffrey Epstein to teach at the Dalton School. I don't understand what's why you don't want to answer a basic question. All right. Have a good day. Uh, Bill Barr was just pretending he was on the phone. All right. Such an important phone call, and he had one finger in his one one hand that was holding the phone to his ear, and in the other ear he had his finger. All right, so he knew what was going on. Did not want to. I'd want to answer that question. Yeah, it was a shock to me too. I didn't know anything about uh, uh, Jeffrey Epstein teaching at the Dalton School. Pretty weird, huh? Something like that would have worked, but to just uh, hide your head in the sand, bury your head in the sand. You know who I really like? You know, not many people over there at Fox News, but I really do like Maria Bartiromo. Cut 33, please. Cut 33. For Hunter Biden, Mike says, look, all of this is when 
Hunt, all of these conversations that you're referring to is when Hunter had a really bad uh, addiction problem. Obviously, he was doing crack cocaine. Uh, but even if you say he was on drugs, it doesn't matter. You're still accepting millions of dollars from foreign nationals. So he's trying to put this off on, oh, this guy's a drug addict and he had problems. So what? You accepted $17 million, according to Jason Smith, the chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, from 2014 to 2019. Where's the money and what did you do to accept that money? Damn right. Damn right. Now, there are two things going on with uh, the Hunter Biden excuse machine, right? First, they were trying to say, well, Hunter Biden had every uh, credential to be uh, carrying on international business. After all, he went to Yale. After all, he was on the board of MBNA and uh, Amtrak and had done all this corporate governance crap and uh, was a lawyer at uh, Boys, Schiller and Flexner, uh, some high powered law firm. Very much so. This is all within his uh, purview and these kinds of deals with these countries but now more recently it's all he was a drug addict did not know what he was doing and everybody should back off back off claire mccaskill actually said back off um you can't have it both ways you can't have and you know what it does raise questions about everybody says well nobody can question joe's love of hunter you know what i can i actually can and i will there's no way you put your drug addicted son in these kinds of positions okay you don't let him fly around the world representing you, and I do believe he was representing Joe, and he was not getting any of this money if it wasn't for Joe. Joe needed somebody he could trust, and um, it was Hunter, and that's the last place Hunter should have been in these kinds of situations, overseas, sometimes alone, with all this money flowing around. It's the worst possible uh, environment for a drug addict. Be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Is the president at all disappointed that this episode came and went and Vladimir Putin's still in power? The president is focused on supporting Ukraine. Uh, we didn't, we're not taking sides in internal matter. Uh, the president is going to make sure that we're staying focused on Ukraine. He did say, though, in March 2022, for God's sake, this man cannot remain in power. Regime and change might have changed that. Regime change is not our policy. We've been very, very clear about that. Uh, what we're focused on is making sure Ukraine can succeed on the battlefield. Uh, you know, I um, I didn't think that the the U.S. was involved in this uh, these shenanigans with the Wagner Group and Putin. But uh, after that uh, non denial denial, uh, they pro- <laughs> probably had something to do with it, right? It reminds me of Nord Stream Two pipeline. Remember that nonsense. Uh, yeah, there's a, there, why would we ever believe the, the, the federal government again? Chris in uh, Monroe. Hello. Hello, Gray. Hi. Uh, all right. I think it was your show yesterday where a guy called in and he asked why, um, white people use the phrase people of color. Yes. Was it your show? Yep. Yeah. All right. So I have his answer. Uh, number one, white is you know, technically, it's the absence of color, okay? So, as you know, that's why Spanish call it blank, blanco. White is the absence of color, but also, I, I don't really hear white people using that phrase. I normally hear people of color using that. I mean, is it me? Or I mean, that's, you're, I mean, that's not, I, 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 it's part of the language. People say it. I've said it. People say it. It's the thing to say if you're talking about people of color. Uh, you notice that uh, white, blanco, absence of color seems to have a negative connotation these days. Have you noticed that up there? Have you noticed that? 
100%, yes. Totally, totally. But, I mean, I do hear, uh, I don't know, I never really think of it that way. People of color is a phrase. People use it. I have no problem with it. Things, uh, you know, the language evolves. People say things. And, uh, you know, a, a, a while ago, people said colored people. Now, nobody says that anymore, right? You never see, uh, what was that, the the United Negro College Fund, all right? Nobody says that type of N-word anymore. Um, so, you know, things evolve and things change and I'm okay with that. Um, and I don't, I don't think I'm being politically correct by, by saying people of color. It's a, you know, it's just, uh, it's a way people know what we're talking about. You got a beef with it? No, no, I know. I just go, it's like a technical answer for it, you know? Yeah, no, I get uh, it. Yeah, no, that's right. Absence of color. Yeah. All right. That, uh, but yeah, it's the, it's the, you know what else is that? The sting, this pejorative white guy, white guy. Hey, do you have that video of the people? Listen to this white man who's really upset that the police are arresting a guy who just tried to stab him. <laughs> it is. It is too much. Do you have that ready to go? Do we have time? All right, let's go ahead and play that, please. He was arrested and charged with simple assault and terroristic threats. Following his arrest, he was transported to the DeKalb County Jail. Let's go to the squad car, okay, that way. Why? Why is it happening? I'm being arrested? Yes. yes. For what? For what? I'm just one second. Mm-hmm. Wait. But still, he, um, I will need for you to fill out a statement for him. I don't want him arrested. I just want him to leave us alone. Know, Here we he go. had a weapon on him, and it was terrorist threats. Brandishing is not a crime with a knife. Brandishing is only a crime for a gun. Terrorist threats, no, sir. Because he said die to me and had his knife out? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He only had a knife, not a gun. Brandishing a knife is not a crime. This is this white guy trying to sell? Gosh. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Oh my gosh! Did you realize that today is primary day? It's primary day in New York City. Get out and vote, I'm supposed to say. Does anybody in the world know it's primary day? What the hell kind of day is this to have the primary? <laughs> it's Tuesday before the 4th of July. The last day of school, essentially. This is anti-democratic, okay? This is a threat to democracy. They put this primary day at the end of June. That is so we don't show up, all right? That's so they can sneak their people in. All they need are their their voters. They're, they've already been identified. They know where to go. They know what it's all about. Has anybody heard about primary day in New York City? These, jeez, oh primary day, June 27th. Yeah, that's uh, that's democracy for you. Hey, did you look at the New York Post over the weekend? They had this uh, remarkable piece about a retired hero cop, NYPD cop, uh, Michael McMahon. Now, He's been retired for a number of years, and he was a private investigator. And, uh, well, look at this. McMahon was hired in 2016 by what he believed was a translation company from New Jersey, and they wanted him to do surveillance on a luxury Short Hills, New Jersey home occupied by a relative of a Mr. Xu Jun and Lu Fang, and to use public records to find companies and other assets registered to the couple. 
They get assignments like this all the time, private eyes, okay? Zhu and Lu, he was told, had stolen money from a construction company, and the people who hired him wanted to find where the cash had gone. Now, what he was not told was that Zhu was a former official in Wuhan, China, who had fled China amid allegations of corruption. Now, for McMahon, it seemed like a routine job for a licensed private investigator who had been one of the NYPD's most distinguished officers until his retirement in 2003 in the wake of an injury caused by a violent pursuit. McMahon said when he conducted surveillance, he did what he has done on hundreds of jobs. He registered with the local police, letting them know his whereabouts, the license plate of his vehicle, and the identities of the other private investigators he was working with. I worked on hundreds of cases involving investigations into homicides, insurance fraud, and countless surveillance cases, he said. The Chinese job was typical of the surveillance work I had done in the past. There was nothing out of the ordinary. McMahon's work was used without his knowledge in a 2018 New Jersey civil lawsuit against Xu and others brought by a construction group in China alleging that they had embezzled millions from the company. Uh, now, two years later, on October 28th of 2020, 12 federal agents surrounded the home of McMahon that he shares with his wife, Martha Byrne, the former soap opera actress, three children, and his elderly mother-in-law. They arrested him. They raided the house. He actually thought somebody had died. It was very traumatic, but he got dressed. He was arrested. It started a horrible, horrible ordeal, and he was recently convicted of essentially spying for China. Now, anybody who knows anything about this case knows that this is a total and complete injustice and outrage. And I'm pleased that Martha Byrne, Michael McMahon's wife, joins us on the phone right now. Uh, Martha, you heard me kind of lay out the case. I'm looking at the New York Post here. Did we get the basic facts? You you did. And thank you for having me on. I think that what you said is fantastic. And I think that what happened in that courtroom actually decimates the entire private investigative business. They're taking legal surveillance and making it something that is now a federal crime. That means that insurance companies, paparazzi, news outlets are now not allowed to park on private street, public streets anymore. I mean, it is absolutely horrifying what they did to him in that courtroom. Every day they dragged him through the mud trying to make him out to be this lawless person. And we were not allowed to bring up his career in court, his background, his medals, his history, his character. It was objection every time someone referred to him as a hero cop. We were not allowed to bring the civil case that you just mentioned in that story into this case, which was so important to his defense. He was hired to find assets, civil. So it backed up exactly what he was told. He was never asked to do anything illegal. I mean, you know, Greg, I mean, a cop like him, why would he ever betray his country? Why would he ever do break the law? And by the way, he made a few thousand dollars on this case. And the prosecutors turned him into this villain and the devil day after day after day. It was heartbreaking to hear what they did to him because the the evidence that we presented was so positive and showed that he had no idea that there was anything nefarious about this case. So what do they do? They turn it around and make him some evil person with legitimate banking stuff, like everyday banking, everyday work, surveillance. I mean, my husband did surveillance reports, saved every invoice, every text message, every he documented everything. And by the way, we handed over all of this evidence to the government. And what did they do? They turned it against him. 
I mean, some of the files were up on the screen saying provided by defendant McMahon, provided by defendant McMahon. I mean, well, he voluntarily spoke for an hour and a half, his interrogation, and we were not allowed he did. to so he, he interrogation. Tes- he testified? No, he did not testify. He did not testify. We were, we felt so strongly about what we were doing. I mean, but not one federal agent who was a part of this investigation testified. Not one. Uh, he not one. earned, he earned 78 medals and citations for bravery, including the Combat Cross, the department's second highest honor in 1998 for an exchange of gunfire involving a gang member in the Bronx. Your husband grew up in Rockland County, one of nine children. Was Were they able to get across that he had no idea that China, the government of China, was involved in this, that he just thought he was working for a private firm? Yeah, we did. I mean, it says over and over again, we presented evidence. The company, the company, my financial manager will be taking care of this. I mean, he was hired by a U.S. company in Queens, New York, actually, a translation company. He was paid with a U.S. bank check. He was told that they were looking for assets, which all of our evidence that we showed were assets that he had found, homes, LLCs, car ownerships. You know, there were properties all over this country that were owned by this man. So it our evidence showed he was hired to do something on a civil matter and nothing criminal. But they took because they let them flee the country because the FBI never brought my husband in the other cops that he worked with on surveillance and two federal agents that were aware of this case in 2016. They never spoke to them, the FBI and the Chinese agents fled the country. They were gone. So who's left but my husband. All right. So. It's shocking. It's shocking. Now, the lawyer, your lawyer is planning, his lawyer is planning to enter a motion to dismiss this next month. Um, Let me ask you this. Was that a tough decision to not have him testify? I bet the jury would have loved to have heard from him. You know, I mean, gosh, I would love to have heard from you. I mean, he's innocent. Uh, Look, and I know it's these lawyers have their reasons. Um, Does he regret not taking the stand? I mean, no, because we were winning every day. I mean, we took down every one of their their witnesses like we were we were winning and we felt so confident because the evidence was so strong i mean it was 90 percent was all about mike and it showed all the due diligence that he did and the questions he asked and you know that he notified the local police and he had police reports and he had you know everything was in his favor and we really believed so strongly we presented such a strong case and the government actually made up stuff like they they made up conversations that never happened there's no evidence of them happening we call them off-camera conversations in soap opera world and created this scenario narrative that wasn't true and it's it's shocking to me that the jury wouldn't say but there's no evidence of that conversation there's no evidence i mean greg there's not one text message not one email not nothing that shows a connection to my for my husband to the chinese government it was a business looking for assets and it lined up to what the story was that this man stole millions of dollars. And look, look what happened. Yeah. There's a civil lawsuit. So, you know, we have motions. We have plenty of reasons for motions to dismiss what happened in that courtroom. I mean, I think that, that your listeners need to know that in, in the federal court system, you really are hampered in so many ways about what you can and cannot talk about and you're restricted. It's crazy. It's crazy. And you know, a jury's my goodness gracious. uh, It does say something in the constitution about a jury of your peers. And I think that's important. And I, I, I wonder sometimes about, you know, political bias and where these jurors are coming from and are they truly, 
you know, I think more has to be done to make sure that these are juries of one's peers. Hey, by the way, you were on a, uh, you were on, uh, as the world turns, right? You were, I was. Uh, <laughs> what, what, what was your, years. what was your character? I played Lily Walsh on As the World Turns for 20 years. I grew up there. And my, my when, whole life. When you do, uh, are they filmed live or are they filmed the same day or the day before? How do they do that? They were like three weeks ahead when I was there. I mean, I've been off for a long time, but they still, they're still on. Some of the shows are still on, but we would do, I mean, we were on 50 weeks a year. I mean, five days a week, I would do 180 pages of dialogue a day. And I, it was, it was a great job. I loved it so much. You ever see the movie um, Tootsie? I did. It was fantastic. And it, it was very realistic. It's, I, I love that movie. All right. Listen, <laughs> back to, uh, movie. what are we going to do here? Now he was convicted, but my understanding is there's, very well. I'm hoping there's very little chance of uh, of, of jail time. I mean, I, look, I I'm, I'm familiar with this case. I'm familiar with you. I know that an injustice was done here, um, but you. weird stuff is going on. Is there any chance that he goes to prison? No, I mean, look, I can't even say that word because there's the fact that there they didn't prove their case in the sense that you know you is stalking is is such a reach because. That means everybody doing surveillance can be now charged in a federal criminal as a federal criminal to do surveillance, which I feel like that's a big cause for concern, just 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 for us, for for everybody. But also they said FARA. Now, for FARA, as you know, you have to know you're working for the Chinese government. You have to know that FARA you have to register and you have to knowingly not register. There is not one ounce of evidence that Mike knew anything about there's connection to the Chinese government. By the way, do you know that we've had Chinese police officers coming here and taking classes in, in Houston and in the University of New Haven, Connecticut? There was a big thing on the screen that 25 Chinese police officers went to Texas and were training in Texas and they were training in New Haven, Connecticut. This is in the same years that my husband was you know, involved in this case. And you're talking so, about they take that training. We're talking about Chinese nationals. They come here, they undergo the training, and then they take their training back to China? Yes. And it's happening all over the, it's happening all over the country. And the fact that we would, that for, you know, that the federal government, they, they knew, they know, this has been going on for years, for over a decade, that if they're not monitoring these people, these come, they're coming and going. If, if the, if the, if the FBI had monitored the man that came from China when he came here and detained him, we wouldn't be having this conversation. It, there's so, there's so much wrong with this case. And here, here's the deal. If they brought my husband in and the two NYPD retired intelligence officers connected to this case, the retire, uh, the active DEA supervisor and an active FBI agent who were aware of this case in 2016, we'd have, be having a much different conversation because all of those men who are highly decorated, highly intelligent men would have helped the FBI. My husband would have loved to have been a part of bringing this whole case yeah. down, but they didn't do that. All right. They made a choice. And it really destroyed a lot of people's lives. And it, it, if this is a national security case, right? how can we, like how can people, deal. how can people help? I mean, it seems like oh, it's in there. What, what, what do we do? Well, right now, um, I don't know. And you, I'm sure you're familiar with the Pipe Hitter Foundation. It is Eddie Gallagher's foundation, the retired um, Navy SEAL chief. Oh, right. He has the Pipe, Pipe Hitter Foundation. Um, they've been behind us for so long and been wonderful. And if you go on their page and you go to Michael McMahon's page, if you want to support us, we are so grateful for that support because we have to fight this and we have to fight back. Uh, we're, you know, we are the little guys who are up against the beast and we can't allow this to happen in our country. 
where innocent people are just thrown to the wolves because they couldn't put a case together. They couldn't get the really bad guys and they let them go. So they went after my husband. I mean, Greg, when I tell you the, the assault that went on against him uh, day in and day out was, I'm still, I don't think I'll ever recover from that. And I don't think he'll ever recover from being treated like such I, 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 I can't even describe what the, how they talked about him in that courtroom, and we could not defend ourselves. We were not allowed to. So please, we need to support people like my husband, the heroes who have sacrificed so much for not just New York City, but this country. And if you go to the pipehitterfoundation.org yeah. and go to Michael McMahon and support us and share our story, um, we're going to be there for you, too, because you know what? This can happen to anybody. If this can happen to my husband, this can happen to Anybody and taking legal work and turning it to criminal criminality is a very slippery slope, very slippery slope that the federal government has now tried to get away with. And we can't let that happen. OK, it's pipe hitter, H-I-T-T-E-R, uh, pipe hitter foundation dot org. And okay. uh, let me just see here. Yep, there he is. OK, so you got to you got to click on who we support. One, two, three. And he's four down there. There he is, Michael McMahon. Thank you. This is an old photo. This is all the way back in the 90s, it Listen, looks like to me. What? That's when he got his combat cross, and, and uh, he was given it to during, you know, um, at one police plaza in front of thousands of people because my husband took on gunfire almost every day. I mean, he was in so many shootings. He was a street crime guy. He was he was a school safety sergeant keeping gangs out of the schools. He he was in the line of fire every single day and, you know, risked his life for strangers and, and was willing to put his life on the line for anybody. You know, and I always look in the courtroom and I think and the jurors and think my husband would literally die for all of you. And and you don't even know that about him because they're treating him like he's something that is, should be dragged out into the streets. It's really it's really a sad day. It was a sad day. It was a horrifying day for all of us. So, well. I think something amazing and miraculous can happen and something Thank awesome you. as a, 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 you know, I know this is hard and I know this was an yeah. injustice, but you know, uh, God sees everything and, uh, he, he can, does. he can correct all of this and, and, uh, he's, he's always got a plan. It can always work out, uh, uh, yeah. for the best. So Michael McMahon, uh, give him our best. You can go to the pipe, pipe hitter foundation.org pipe hitter foundation.org look for michael mcmahon and there's a there's a great story in the new york post about this very easy to find i'll 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 put a link to it on my twitter oh that'd be be great yeah sure thing and uh, martha stay in touch martha burn everybody and we'll be right back thanks greg greg kelly on the red apple podcast network this just came across. U.S. Uh, now authorizing another another five hundred million dollars for Ukraine. Just keep that money coming, huh? And wear your Ukrainian flag pin. Wow. Whatever happened to give peace a chance? You know, I mean, the culture, right? They used to sing "Give peace." All we are saying is "Give peace a chance," and now it's uh, as much money as possible. Constantly, get, <laughs> constantly bring it over to Ukraine. And where your Ukraine flag been? What about peace? What about peace? All right. Uh, Barbara is back. Hello, Barbara. Hi, Greg. Good afternoon. Um, I just wanted to mention that uh, yesterday you were talking about all the things that we're loading on our children. And now I heard the newest one with Mayor Adams announcing that they would start uh, mindful breathing exercises in the classes for students. 
Now, mindful breathing is objectionable to many, many parents in this country because they connect with Hindu beliefs and yoga beliefs. And uh, if you were to uh, go to schools now where they're using this mindful breathing, children almost become addicted to it. We heard from parents out in Wisconsin who were all up in arms about this because it was almost being taught as a religion. Now, if, if a Catholic teacher were to give a rosary to a student and teach them how to use it, all hell would break loose. Meanwhile, in Georgia, teachers are giving crystals to students and teaching them to pray with the crystals. So this is another thing we're loading on our schools. We're loading on our children. Barbara, I'm so glad you brought this to my attention, this mindful breathing thing. And thank you for putting it in perspective because I saw it. I just, you know, see a million different things, and I didn't think much of it. But you're damn right about that. And uh, I know exactly what you're talking about with the – there is a religious um, component to that. So thank you. I'm on it. I promise you. Thank you, Barbara, very, very much. Uh, Larry in Brooklyn. Yeah, Greg, I'd just like to run by you. You heard about it since you're an Iraqi war veteran. Did you hear about the case where that Iraqi war veteran who's missing three limbs – he defrauded, he committed fraud with the We Build the Wall, raising money, and then he pocketed the money. He was sentenced to 46 months in jail. The guy has one limb. He's missing two legs and arms. All right, hold, calm down. Hold one. on a second. Number one, I'm not an Iraqi war veteran, technically. I uh, I was there as a civilian, so I wouldn't call myself an Iraq war vet, even though I did fly over Iraq as a Marine. Um, all right, yeah, I know about the We Build the Wall thing. I didn't know the guy was missing all those limbs, but uh, and he went to jail? He was sentenced to 46 months. His lawyer uh, begged the, the, the judge for house arrest. And you would think the judge would have sympathy on a guy that served his country and, 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 and lost three limbs. Yeah. I mean, what's, what the hell is going on here? All right. All right. I don't know that much about the case. This is the thing that they got try to get Bannon on, right? Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Right. All right. I'll check it out. Thank you for letting us know. Um Let's see here. Uh, Michael? Greg, good afternoon. How are you? Very quickly, Michael. All right, quickly, uh, I'm really against this uh, congestion pricing. I think it's outrageous. We all are. I called the Bloomberg. I called Bloomberg uh, years ago when they first proposed it, and the deputy mayor said to me, well, they do it in London. I said, well, we fired people on 230 years ago. What do we have to follow them for? <laughs> I love it. I love it. You're right. These people can't be trusted with our money. And by the way, it's the last thing this city needs right now. Boy, oh boy, they really are making it easy for us to think about leaving, aren't they? All right, folks, I'm sorry. There is the music. I must go. Many, many thanks to be continued.